We're going to start with me and then go to you, okay? <laughs> yeah, why don't we start with you and then go to me? <laughs> okay, okay, my name is Kent Dahlgren, and this is... Ruth Glendinning. And we're going to talk about the Anti-Fragile Playbook. Because we're anti-fragile, and we want you to be, too. <laughs> yes. Hey, good morning. I'm morning. super excited that Kent and I get to talk with Sandy Berkey. Yeah. Hey, Sandy. Good morning. So, Sandy, you and I uh, have a very modern meeting uh, journey. We met online through a friend uh, a number of years ago, but then we actually got to meet in person yes, in 2018 because I, I told you I was going to Virginia and you're like, oh, you should just come to West Virginia. We're right next door. It's and um, well, right next door up a three hour mountain, but you know, close enough. And so um, it was just this magical moment. Uh, you know, I, I had been, been curious about what life was like in the West Virginia mountains and got the great good fortune to have you be my guide to it and really kind of get a feel for, for Helvetia and your vision of it. So I'm super excited we get to talk today because by working with 214 Alpha and adding technology to our storyline, we've really moved to a new place. So um, love to have you give us a little background and talk about Helvetia and uh, your vision and how we can all help you uh, bring this story forward. Sure. Um, this is a, a, a really remote part of, of the United States on this side of the, the map, but it's only 200 miles due west of Washington, DC, um, same distance from Pittsburgh and um, pretty much uh, right in, this, in the center of a lot of population 200 miles out. But it's very mountainous, it's very rugged, and um, the Swiss uh, were invited to come here in the 1800s. And um, they came here to settle, uh, went through New York, just like all new immigrants did, I guess, and um, purchased land sight unseen. And they really kind of got um, uh, sidetracked a little bit because they thought that it was gonna be more of a, a community here versus big trees and nothingness. And, um, but they made their way through and they got here at the beginning of winter and um, built like a one room situation or one cabin situation. So all of them could hunker down for the winter because they were really close getting here in the deep snow. And, and from there, they, they just continued to carve out a, a place here. And um, uh, I am like third generation um, the interesting thing about here, Helvetia was kind of the heart. And then in her 100 mile radius is a lot of little towns um, that were also uh, um, taken or, or purchased by the Swiss and, and settled. And so my family is kind of really in, <laughs> embedded there. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not related to my mother, but I'm related to my mother, you know, kind of thing. Mm. Um, <laughs> So, so uh, you know, we from there the the generations went forward. The industrial age hit and took away a lot of people. The war hit and took away a lot of men, and uh, what was left here were a lot of women running pretty prosperous farms, and um, it was not easy. Um, and so, I think that from that there were some products that popped up that were very popular, and some arts and 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 skills that that were very popular that they were able to move into the kind of agritourism stage of things and um, sell their story through a restaurant and inviting people here etc and um, 
then it got real quiet and lots of land was just laying around doing nothing. And all of us who were the next in line to own it were totally unprepared. And most of them just went ahead and sold out. But there are core of us that are still part of those original settlers that um, that have come back to to you know kind of be the steward to hold up the kind of legacy poster and 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 um, pull things together. So there's a lot of landmass. There's a lot of things that are unfarmed. Um, and, and so what, what I did uh, when my parents were aging is move back from the city or move back from the city. I was in DC, San Francisco and Dallas. Um, and from that career, I moved back home to Helvetia and I just started whittling out kind of a mission and an idea to, to preserve the, the, the artisan base culture mm. here and try to protect, you know, what, what, was almost indigenous people from here. <laughs> mm. And, and, and that's where, that's where it all started for me. So the last 20 years, um, I have been, um, working on several things, um, to keep the economy afloat here. And my first round was, you know, trying to acquire land that, you know, several, several folks in my, in my, uh, family owned and trying to pull it together and trying to get it up out of, out of decay. And, um, mm -hmm keeping things from falling apart. And, and then now it is something more of a, you know, shared earn, learn. And this is thanks to Ruth um, <laughs> framing things. Yeah. Kind of framing things for us in this, this economy, ecology, echo, echo tourism um, place. And that was, that took off about 30 years ago and kind of led into Helvisha thriving and Helvisha thriving is now, Helvetia and our hundred mile radius um, of, of, you know, kind of the same culture, the same, the same agriculture culture. And we're and the, the first, the first item that we're trying to bring back is Helvetia cheese. And so Helvetia mm. cheese is our little gateway and an update there. It's just going, you know, uh, it, it's going really faster than we can keep up with, which is great. And it's funny though, because to see your updates, because you're like, we just did our, I mean, I don't even think I've lost count. How many like you're over 50, right? Yeah, 50 yeah. seasons of cheese. And, <laughs> and our private investor from Switzerland was, was texting me and he's like, oh my gosh, you guys, I never thought my small little investment because he was investing in the animal. He's like, okay, so, right. you know, you, you, here's, here's money for the animal. We want, how should I have, have cow, you know? And I'm like, oh my God, my barn is falling down and you know, da, 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 da. <laughs> And so, you know, like any funding, you know, you have to kind of listen to them and get what they want and prop the barn up and, and, you know, raise a cow and a calf in there. And that's what we did. And we, uh, we are now um, approaching kind of the time where we're going to have her impregnated and she's going to have another one and we'll sell that one for a little bit of profit to pay back. And um, the cheeses have been, have been a great learning experience. Um, so we brought mm. everything back from the from the grass, the meadow, the cow, through the cow, and into the cheese cave, and onto our plates. But wow, eating, man. eating mainly locals. It's and pretty well, and yeah, go ahead. But, but but that's that's the goal here, right? Is is that we have to invest in ourselves first. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's part of part when we had talked about eco eco tourism. It's like how do we balance ecology and economy? You know, and make mm -hmm. sure it's an ecosystem that is self-sustaining. 
because uh, one of the things I know that that you and and I spoke about a lot, um, Sandy, is that the there's this next generation that wants to stay there. They don't want to have to go off into the world because they really they really feel how beautiful the place is and they feel valued and they can, it's it's a safe place to fail. They can experiment. So this is not just about building a business for now. It's about weaving together the next generation and turning it into steam learning where you're doing this earn learn model. And Mm -hmm. it's so exciting to see how these little seeds that were germinated are now rooting and growing, you know, and yeah. um, and I love the pictures that you and the updates that you post on Facebook, and especially the fact that you have a pet cow, you have a pet calf, yeah. <laughs> who I, likes to come in and see how business is going, right? So yes, she, she, the dogs here will scratch on the door when they want in and out, and now the calf does the same thing. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> so so we yeah we we've got we've got definitely pets pets here. <laughs> Yeah, I think that micro business growth and, and development is one of the things that I've always had my eye on here is to hopefully attract kind of the young people who are interested in trying to be here, you know, finding a way for them to stay here. And right. I failed miserably at that. Um, I have to admit, when I first came here, I thought, you know, yeah, let's let's build things. And everybody have a business and blah, 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 blah. And, and you know, I, you know, it, it, it failed miserably. The next generation that I was working on 20 years ago you know, there's hardly any of them that stayed. Um, and so I am keep working on it. And I, and I, you know, hopefully it is the young people that are interested in trying to be here. But it looks to me more like there are more nomadic elderly folks and next, you know, millennials and those types that are interested. Um, but we'll see, you know, we're, we're starting younger and younger. So here mm-hmm. on, the, on the campus now, we've got, you know, lots of really young people under the age of 13. So, so yeah. that's a little different than what I started with at the age of um, 19 through 23, you know. Right. And also, and also the, the world has changed, you know, from where it was before. So, you know, the, the people that you had originally worked with might have a different perspective on the experiment that they had with you when they were younger. And that might, that might inform them to change their mind, but, but uh, a changing of their mind. Right. But likewise, uh, the younger people look and they say, well, shoot, I don't know if I want to just leave here. Right. And, and it does, you know, and I don't know if I told you this, but, you know, um, I, I have a friend named Mike and he's um, someone I've known since middle school. Like when we were in Boy Scouts together, and we lived in Astoria, uh, Oregon. And, um, and he lived uh, even not even in Astoria in a, in a place called, uh, kind of out in the outskirts called St. Louis and um, uh, Lewis and Clark actually. And, um, and he lived on a, on a dairy farm and the, his stepdad was uh, Roger Porget. And they actually have a farm in Switzerland, um, and uh, yeah. And so, you know, this this is actually I would go, I would walk out there. It was actually a heck of a walk. But then we go out there and, you know, help give birth to animals. And you know, I was I was relatively speaking, I was a city boy. But you know, there were things you had to do. You had to cull the feral dogs, and you had to, you know, run the cattle, and you had to do all that stuff, right? So, um, and it was cool because his house, his you know, stepdad, dad, and his mom's house was very Swiss, right? And of course, I have no frame of reference on that. I'm like, you know, American kid, right? But you know, Mike still speaks of that of great fondness. He actually went back to Switzerland, and um, and he was uh, accompanied his stepdad and his mom as they passed away. So Mike has a ton of fondness for that life, you know. So he 
he loves when I talk about our working with you, right? <laughs> so, cause he's like, it, he gets it. Um, yeah. You know, and, and actually in our latest podcast, we talked about um, alternative and, uh, and um, complementary currencies. And this is one of those things where Mike totally gets it. He's like, yeah, the Swiss, the Swiss have, you know, each of the little, you know, some of their little towns have a complementary script, if you will. Right. So right. he gets it. He gets the Swiss frame of, frame of reference. So I guess my point is, is that, you know, as things um, continue, and the and the economy and the world changes you know i end up getting really interesting calls from mike where he begins to understand oh i can see it i can actually see why somebody would want to stay on the farm instead of going off to the city because he's one of those people you know that left went to the city and now he's like wow you know he's got kids uh maybe there'd be something different for them you know yeah yeah the the, the city experience is exactly what what i did and and most of my generation i mean we were encouraged um to to get out and go and of course that was right. when you know it's like okay it's college time you know and you're in mm -hmm. your there's just like a marching orders and right. you know, college meant going away from the farm or away from the your area that you were raised in and and the parents were 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 you know kind of encouraging you to get the heck out of the house you know right and and so that's what it was kind of in the 70s going into the 80s and, you know, so, so, and now here, you know, it, it seems, it seems like it's, it's a little different, but when I came back here to, in 20 years ago and I came back, uh -huh. um, it was, it was very much like that, that the farmers were trying to push the younger kids off to college and they, they right. were, they were kind of resenting that and not wanting to go and, and right. they found my ideas more refreshing and they wanted to stay, but then there was no way for them to make a living. You know, that's where mm -hmm. I feel miserably. I got them off on the wrong foot. And so anyway, they, they found you know, well, jobs in the cities and left. Let, let me amend that, that for you a little <laughs> bit is that you didn't fail miserably. Yeah. You fell into learning yeah, and, exactly. and, and what you're doing and what you, you experienced then the knowledge you gained has aged into wisdom now. You yeah. Know? yeah. And so, so we're, we're really, as you know, we're, we're both word nerds. And so we're really looking at the power of language to shape, mm -hmm. a to shape the, the, the potential. And so, as you know, what I, I look at from, from my perspective, looking at your, your 10 year journey. And interestingly, I've had a 10 year journey. Kent has too, you know, it's the beauty of being a little bit older because <laughs> yeah. you have these nice long chunks that you can, can observe. But, mm -hmm. but what's common amongst all of this is that it's not that the ideas were bad or wrong. They're, they just weren't ripe. They weren't ready. And right. they, the system to support them and the tools to support them just didn't exist, you know, mm -hmm. and including our ability to, to coordinate and, and a, a collective storyline. So here right. it is, you know, we're, we're sitting in 2021 and we're able to have this conversation and even though Kent hasn't been to Helvetia, he grew up in a place where he has a really strong feel for what you have there. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so we can communicate that. We can we can take these these um, you know these shared potentials and put mm -hmm. it into this conversation where people start going, wait a minute, I could do this in my own place. You know, right. I could create this and can find things that are you you have your own wisdom of place that yeah. you can put a shape around so that other people not, they don't just want to have a cow and, and make cheese. So I think probably a lot of people would, um, but they also can look around at their own resources and go like, wait a minute, you know, we, we grow, we, we can do wild crafting here. 
Yeah, right. we can do things that actually tie together this earn and learn because we have the technology not only in in a form like 214 Alpha as a platform, but also language so that we can create some efficiency mm-hmm. and an ability to to move to the next level faster because you've rooted deep enough in the potential. Yeah. And, and, and then- I think that that's getting that's getting to be like a that, like a wildfire here that it is going to be mm-hmm. taking off. And with people like, you know, Ed Daniels and I just forging on yeah. money, no money, you know, people are seeing it. And, you know, just just responses to some of my posts, you know, uh, oh, my gosh, you know, you're, you're doing all this, you know. So I think people are seeing it that they can create. And so I think that 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 I have succeeded in in creating you know, Helvetia as, you know, a lead by example and, mm-hmm. you know, and it is, it is taking off and, and we're getting ready to do an abundance of things coming spring that we've never tried before with or without money, we're going to go for it. And, yeah. and so it's, it's kind of interesting to that you, that you corrected me and I'm glad you corrected me. Cause I'm oftentimes, I look at that time of my life thinking, oh, if only, you know, which I should not look at it that way. <laughs> well, and, and, and to be honest, Kent did that for me with Community Renaissance Market because I kept thinking, man, this was just such a failure. But he's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, I mean, and then we, was... and then and his his thing at Burnside in Portland is now celebrating 30 years. You know, it's just like yeah. it keeps right. on. Well, yeah. the, and the important thing of the Burnside story is I'm actually sitting here. I just yesterday received a package from the the guys in Portland uh, of, you know, stickers and a T-shirt um, sort of, you know, recognizing that, that you know, we, we just celebrated 30 years of, of that. And that's that's a that's a semi-autonomous self-administrating um, um, uh, entity that's right in the center of Portland that began without out permission um and uh and you know is is attributed with with sparking what has been called the second coming of the skate park is it, it actually you know kicked off a skate park boom because it taught people this is the important part of the story it taught people that you don't have to wait for other people to do it you can do it yourself and we're really at that inflection point within our society is that people are fed up with you know circumstances and the government and then what's happening is that there's innumerable people like you who are like you know what i'm, I'm going to do this myself and the important part here of the burnside story is that the, the i think the best part of the story is that it, it it was only possible thanks to the five years of failure that preceded it right is we had to get there by, by by failing forward and we never considered those failures it was just experiments because it's a you know a virtue of the a byproduct of the skateboarding world you don't fail you just learn you know and our, yeah. our society has this weird thing about like, well, I tried it, it didn't work. And then, you know, unfortunately it didn't work, but you know, like I, I, you know, I, I met, you know, Ruth, not, not even that long ago. And we started going on, <laughs> we started going on lots of walks. She's telling me about community Renaissance market. And I'm like, okay, hang on a second. There was an old Albertsons. It was huge. Um, somebody handed you the keys and you incubated like 90 businesses uh, right after your husband died. Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> well, I mean, let's just, let's woo! just strip it out and tell the story for Women's what it work. is. Right. Yeah, women's work. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> and then you, you incubated a bunch of businesses. And then what I have been experiencing is that all the trust capital that she had gained in the decade since, because I've, I'm getting to know all these people and they have they have a lot of love and appreciation for Ruth because of her strength. She was the foundation. She was the root for them. Right. And so that's that's not a failure. Like, shoot, that's a pretty good deal. So, you know, 
uh, likewise, you have the same thing. And, 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 I, and I, I, you can say like, I, um, you know, I, I wasn't able to get to this place if it wasn't for all of the experiences which led to this. And, and I would say one additional thing before I pass the baton. Um, in our last recorded podcast, which we haven't published yet, um, we talked about f- five examples of soft capital, um, which contribute to, um, uh, 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 you know, an economy, which, um, which would create the foundation of an, a complementary currency. Uh, and that would be true within a system that brings forward forms of capital, not limited to hard capital. We talk about attention, relationship, attention capital, relationship capital. I, I just hang on, attention capital, we actually use Ed as an example, by the way, just put Mm -hmm. that into context, where Ed had actually shined a light on something and then really helped it grow, right? So, um, and then there's relationship capital, there's uh, time capital, that was the third one, uh, and there's uh, trust capital and then um, wisdom capital. So the time capital was one that we talked about where you can use time, you can retell the story, you can say, think about all the people like you, Sandy, that can say, um, you know, as it turns out, upon reflection, I've got 30 years experience of this and I had um, failed forward the entire time. And that's how this had, became a success. And that's kind of where I want to pause and then pass it off to y'all, because that's the thing is that it's not a failure. And uh, uh, it was a learning experience that informed your current place, you know. So I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, I'm going to have to have you text me that and I'm going to put it on my wall here. I'll do that. <laughs> I have 30 years of experience in this. Yeah. Well, and, and, and think about right now, you know, there's a lot of people who are just awakening that they're, they're going, okay, wow, the system not only isn't working, it never really worked for me. Yeah. You know, what did I leave behind in order to pay the rent, to pay the mortgage or, mm-hmm. or whatever? And who else am I? Well, mm-hmm. you know, it's not about people need to become us. They need to become themselves. And so right. what we're doing is just saying, great. This, this is it's all potential and we just try out different containers mm-hmm. and and the containers are you can construct them and deconstruct them the whole mm-hmm. point is that you don't calcify you don't get rigid so if if you know mm-hmm. sandy if you had said it can only be this way you know that that i'm just going to do exactly what i tried to do 10 years ago yeah. you're you're not staying present to the new story you're not yeah. refreshing the screen you know and asking those four key questions of is it true has it ever been true could it be true and should it be true mm-hmm. and doing that in a way that you're not making this decision yourself you're including many people in this you know you're testing it mm-hmm. out and so when mm-hmm. we talk about what we're going to be doing here in our neighborhood we look at this as a living lab you know, mm-hmm. we, we're it's, it's we're going to be interacting with the ecosystem because we have an idea of what it is, just like you said mm-hmm. with the cheese. You know, you have an idea of what it is, but boy, look at all the other pluses you're getting out of it. Oh yeah, right. Plus cheese, yeah. which is yeah. you know. <laughs> we always have the we always have the scientific debate about raw milk, and and one of the byproducts I think is like we we have about probably on this property ten people that come and go on a regular basis. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so during COVID, none of us have been sick mm-hmm. and I'm like, huh, <laughs> maybe it's because we're eating raw milk. Mm. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I mean, you're, you're also staying engaged in life and, mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, I, I do believe raw milk is, is a definite, a benefit. I do believe <laughs> that you interacting with your ecosystem on a daily basis is great because think of the, um, stress that you're relieving, 
you know, right. you're not stuck in this place of worry. And, and the whole idea is, you know, cause we had talked about it as one of the containers for the storyline is the kitchen table capitalist. Mm -hmm. It is what we've all done, men, women, anybody who's, who's head of house in, in any capacity, you have to sit there and look around and say, what do I have? Right. You know, what, what can I do with what I have? And you start valuing things differently. Mm -hmm. So Sandy, when you, you looked around and, and I've been there, so I know how beautiful that place is. And you're like, you know, well, if we had a cow, we could activate these recipes. We could activate right. this cultural connection that has been so meaningful. And, and it's a uh, part of what the last couple of podcasts we've recorded is a series of placeholder to placemaker. Yeah, but but one of the things and you've served this purpose is you need the place whisperer. You need the person who's listening to it and saying what needs to grow here. Right. Yeah. That's you, though. Yeah, yeah. that's you. That's <laughs> wink, nod. You're the place whisperer is what we're saying. You are the place whisperer. No, you no. are the place that whisperer. Oh, I <laughs> yes. am the whisperer. Oh, OK. You can add that to your LinkedIn profile. I'm going yeah. to. I'm so I think you totally that. should. Yeah, place whisperer. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that 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 was me. I'm sorry, I was I was a little preoccupied there. The, the living no. lab is another thing, Ruth, that you so hit the nail on the head that that really truly identifies what I'm doing here that I'm able to talk to other people about. And mm -hmm. you know, when I have people approach me to buy cheese and buy products and you know stuff like that, I'm like, well, you know, it's a you know learning lab. It's it, it's something that we're learning. And people are sponsoring um, um, cheeses and doing stuff like that. So it's a little. I love that. It a lot of, <laughs> yeah, it brings out a lot of creativity. And the 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 sheriff is not here, you know, arresting me for selling illegal cheese yet. So <laughs> well, well, you know, and 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 I had joked with Sandy um, that that she's building an economy, mm -hmm. e c o w n o m y, mm -hmm. and. I get to say things like that because my dad was a total punster. So I'm genetic. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I, I think about it a lot and I've shared it with a few people and they just laugh. And, you know, when you laugh, when you open people up with laughter, mm -hmm. they receive differently. It actually, it, 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 it actually opens up the synapses in your brain. So you're receiving new information. Right. So yeah. it's, you know, never, never underestimate the value of humor. <laughs> no, I've invested in it a lot. Silliness and humor. Yes. Why be so serious? Like, this is how, I mean, this is what I like about the poor is that they have, they have laughed their way through, 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 through hard times. And that actually, that, that delivers a meta story. Like, what kind of people are we? We're the kind of people who laugh through hard times, which is, you know, the story that my family had, you know, my grandma was three months old, her grandfather died, they had to move from um, Texas. And, uh, and there's all the reason in the world to inform a martyr story, but instead they laugh through it. That's what informed the, the narrative. And then they can look back and they said, geez, we went through some hard times. What did we do? We laughed about it, you know? So uh, I'm a, I'm a, well, big they fan. laughed and they got to work. Let's, let's be real clear is they yeah. did, they, they, they worked hard to yes. create a, a future. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's plenty of reason for, uh, for people to feel optimistic because I mean, that's really the, that's really one of the big things that we try to convey, especially when you talk about the kitchen table capitalist is, I mean, everybody has been to that place, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people, they sit down and they say, what are, what are my assets? Uh, what can I work with? And this is why we emphasize the importance of soft capital so much because we are taught that money is going to solve the problem. But 
there that's not always that's not always the case and sometimes that's not the path of least resistance to quality right i mean you know if we invest in soft capital we might be able to get some some greater benefits so um yeah so yeah it's interesting you use the term kitchen table capitalists uh i have a a a, a dear friend who's who is raised her children here um by herself so she definitely is a is is a an incredible female to to just stay here in the wilderness just because of the quality of the education and mm -hmm. um um so she did that all on her own and and took regular jobs you know state jobs around around west virginia and and um worked for the prison system because she had a degree in criminal justice and um also a degree in interior design if that tells you anything about her but but she she when she comes to visit here she calls it home she's moved now because she's she's living closer to the her girls and her girls are both in med school and you know doing a number of things um but anyway she comes here and she says that she has to be around the kitchen table she has to be sitting at the kitchen table the whole time she's here mm -hmm. And we, that's what we do of our planning, our talking, our educating, our up, our up, updating, you know, it's amazing. Right. She won't right. leave the kitchen table. And I have, as Ruth knows, you know, lots of square footage here that you could relax in any kind of environment, but we're always yeah. around the kitchen table. And I, I wonder if that's the same as kitchen table capitalist. Well, it kind of is. I mean, we just talked about actually the last podcast. We shared an anecdote that my mom shared with me about how she's she lives at the end of a, a, a an old logging road in what used to be a logging camp, kind of backed up into the forest in Washington. And she has around my grandmother's table, um, she has uh, women that will come and um, and they they commune um, with one another and they talk about you know because they've got grandkids and great grandkids and family and they talk about how they can reach deep to. To do things and what's interesting about this story is you know, my mom will acknowledge that like politically they're not even even close to on the same page but they are ta discussing topics which transcend any of those affiliations um because they're ultimately just just you know meeting about what matters and it's around the table it's around food which same thing here in the house with trudy you know uh place is a lot smaller but i mean you know you talk to trudy a lot a lot of what we do is just around that you know uh let's let's reach let's let's reach deep and find out what we have to work with here you know so yeah i like it a lot and the other thing that what i i really like about what you're doing sandy is that it's cross-generational that it's not just oh here are the people over 50 who have an idea it's actually very interactive with the whole community oh yeah and 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 so you're 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 demonstrating a possible future Mm -hmm. You know, you're not just talking about it. And, and that's where we separate, you know, we create some distance between education and learning. Mm -hmm. Everything is learning. And, and you're, you're doing that by not only the, the, the observable physical things you do, like, you know, the cow has a baby and now we have cheese, you know, that, those are right. pretty obvious, but just yeah. the feel of it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's what's so hard to do when you're in this, this, um, structured educational institutional mindset mm -hmm. is that you forget about the feeling of the learning mm -hmm. and that's what we remember like you know telling stories like when kent talks about learning at the feet of giants in his grandmother's kitchen mm -hmm. you know and and sandy when you talk about you know observing and and engaging with that place and and me just having been in Helvetia that one day I still have a visceral sense of the magic there 
Right. Yeah. And and that's that's what we really are looking at here is like, what are the invisible drivers? What makes a place worth saving? You know, mm-hmm. wh- why do we where are we going to invest that capital of attention? Mm-hmm. And and how how are we going to make the invisible visible, as Bucky mm-hmm. would say? So mm-hmm. and, and I, I just I'm, I'm so proud of you. I just really have to say oh, it's, it's like you. And, and I'm so happy that you're working so closely with Trudy Martinez on the calm process. Yeah. Because if there's ever a time when we need to have a process to go from outrage to stewardship, this is it. Yeah, yeah. That I, it, and it's been very important. And, and, and Ruth, you, you, you say you're proud of me, but you, you, know, you put structure around this and lifted me up after, after a time where I was like, huh, you know, I'm just kind of you know, at my wit's end or this is all for naught. And, and, and so you've been, you've been great to, to add value to the whole thing and, and put more well, thank you. words on things I never thought really existed, like place whisperer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's, it's definitely a collaborative effort, you know, and, um, and, and that's what we're, one of the things we're, we're trying to do with this podcast is to keep people engaging people in different potentials, you know, is to yeah. say, you have a feel for something great. Here's some, here's some toolkits. Here's some, yeah. some tools where you can build a container around it and you don't have to be stuck in that container because yeah. you're supposed to be learning forward. So you're learning about cheese, right? Right. And it's, you're, you have this other side story, which is really a main story of like, I think our health might be improved because of what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it goes back to the core of what we're talking about with anti-fragile communities, where the core of it all is health is wealth. Yeah, yeah it is. It is so is. And I, I preach that all the time here to multiple generations, you know, and as you know, younger people are are going through their 30s. And I'm like, you know, I wish, you know, if I knew I was going to live this long, I'd take better care of myself. You know, that really is something people need to think about. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, Kent was talking earlier about his 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 uh, accident days on on what your your um, uh, yeah and, and and that's what I was talking to him about my accident too. It's like oh, I think I just injured kind of an old injury, you know, kind of thing. But you're right, you know, taking care of yourself and health is definitely wealth. Yeah, and, and it's 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 a, it's almost like a tragedy here in West Virginia. Um, mm-hmm that that there's so much unhealthiness um mental and physical mm-hmm. and i see it more and more every day so well uh, one of the things that one of the things i mean not only was there a um uh, you know a proud not only is there a technological benefits of using technology because it can you know and the use of the community activation app because it really does help us operationalize the the design of the micro economy but what i, I like about it is sorry i can't wait yeah, one of the one of the things that I really was hoping is that it might also stimulate a cross generational engagement because I think that's important, and uh, and I'm really intrigued by how the younger generation will uh, they'll be they'll be activated towards participation because there's an there's an app right. Yeah. It's like what I've observed is that it's sort of like you know saying that there was going to be a website in the '90s. You could say there's going to be an app, and that really engages younger people to say, okay, yeah. now now I'm interested. So is there is there do you have any um, things that you would say about that? Because it seems to me that there's a few younger people that seem to be engaged in the technological aspects of this. Oh, absolutely. You know, right from the beginning, Trudy and I got got our um, 
14 year old involved and right. you took him i think under your, your wing for a couple of calls or two like a mentor uh -huh. and yeah. i think that, that that he is definitely poised to be one of our administrators once we get to that point well, um, we have a list well, of we names need that. we need mm -hmm. that <laughs> we absolutely yeah. need that you know yeah and 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 everybody everybody here in the household is almost too into their technology um, <laughs> versus what I've seen you know other other families kind of raise children but you know it's been an interesting difficult time for everyone that we're trapped you know and, and if we're going to be trapped better trapped here I'm thankful that we are trapped where we're trapped but but I think the technology is is consuming the, the children. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing <laughs> is, is that. That 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 fourteen year old though, I mean, this is that's a really good example. As as we had talked about, we had this sort of you know before we started recording, talking about how the events lately have done a tremendous job of educating my customers about the importance yeah. of data sovereignty, right? Because yeah. yeah. I could talk about you know I'd say well you know our customers are afforded data sovereignty, and they'd say well you know okay that sounds cool. Why does that matter? That matters because your data, your personal data, doesn't get mined for advertising purposes. Your community owns that data. If your community wants to resell it for advertising purposes, I guess that's your deal, but that's not my recommendation. Um, and the indigenous community really, they dig that actually. They're like, okay, well, we get to own our data. You know, that's, that feels good. But then, you know, what's happened lately is that, you know, people are getting an education about other ways that their data could be used, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, in, in our case, what we do is we teach someone within the community um, how to be a data steward. And so that will be that kid you're talking about, that 14 year old. Now, I'll tell you, if I could go back in time and have an opportunity to work with somebody who had been considered an expert in the field of data security, right? And, uh, and, and have a chance to learn it, that for that kid, that's a chance to learn what is actually a bleeding edge um, uh, career skill while yeah. staying in the community. Right. So, um, you know, that's something that's really engaging for me. And I love working with kids. Of course, I have a, a mess of them. Right. So, you know, I'm a bit of a <laughs> either a collector or a hoarder. I usually used to say, you know, either one. <laughs> but but, uh, but I really do like working because I was one of those kids. I was that kid that was like, I, I, you know, I don't want to I don't I'm not you know, this pool is too small for me. I, I, I'm, I'm supposed to be in bigger waters, right? Um, and at the same time, there's a lot of things about, you know, that little town of Astoria that I miss. It was too bad I couldn't merge the two, right? So I'm, I'm looking forward to really affording that opportunity for those kids because this is exactly it. It deepens it, you know? Imagine that kid being 19 and teaching other people like him and other communities how to be a data steward. Because, yeah. the, because the world has changed and let's just assume, let's assume in the future, people aren't so willing to just give their data up to some social media provider so they can use it to become more effective advertisers. Maybe they wanna hold on to that data for other purposes. Maybe they wanna use it to learn how to be better um, at creating their own educational curriculum that works, meets the needs of their community, right? So, yeah. you know, uh, I mean, that's the part that I'm really excited about working with y'all on is really the cross-generational aspect of it. Yeah, I, that, I, I am too. I'm very, very excited about that. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and with West Virginia, I mean, you guys have been um, a victim of extractive industries for so long, you know, right. that between the, the coal and the logging and the fact that you always had to send your next generation away, you know, that, that your real wealth of your community had to follow the money. And mm -hmm. the yeah. idea that, that you can, that, that these things that are most valuable to you, your greatest wealth is your next generation. Right. Yep. And that they can not only stay there, that but they can be investors in the community that yes. they're getting this this, um, you know, Kent and I talk about the difference between cost and investment right. and 
cost is something that, in my completely unofficial opinion, is cost is, is something if you don't want to spend it, it's a cost. And if you right. do want to spend it, it's, a, it's an investment. So if right. you get people lined up with saying, wow, you know, this place is valuable because of all the visible and invisible connections I have because I'm valued here. So I right. want to, and, and once you feel valued, you want other people to feel valued too. Right. So it has this literally regenerative storyline that mm -hmm. it starts building and it's exponential. It's, it's what, you know, it's the multiplier, right? right. That, right. that it's, it, when you feel good, you're like, man, I want everybody to feel good. Yeah. yeah, at least we do. Some other people may not have that opinion, but that's our experience. You're like, I'm but not sure anything. <laughs> but, but I'm sorry. I want that... No, I was but... just saying some people would be so greedy then I'm not even going to share that, right? Right, right. That's, that would be the hoarder. The hoarder. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but I want but I want that kid to be able to seek out. I mean, this is this is the thing is that I want that kid to hear, you know, overhear something at the gas station and say, you don't, you know, and then approach the kid because they have that ability to do so and say, you know, there's something that you might not be aware of that you could that you could do. I mean, try working with this and this might open up possibilities for that other kid. Um, because otherwise, I mean, you know, like where I lived, um, the big opportunity was to be on the fishing boats in Alaska. Uh, you know, that was your out. Uh, you know, if you were if you were what we would call uptown, you'd send your kids to college and teach them French. That's what that's what they did in Astoria, you know. Um, and then so the big trip for them is they got to go to France. Uh, and, uh, you know, that was that was, you know, where I come from, that was the deal. Uh, and I wasn't one of those uptown kids. I never learned French. I didn't take foreign language. I didn't go to France, you know. Um, but, uh, uh, but you know, I did have to think, I did have to think about like, am I going to work on a fishing boat? Am I going to work uh, uh, out in the forest? Um, my prospects seem pretty dim and I'm, a, I'm, a, and I'm not a big guy. So, you know, I was glad for the opportunity to go to the city. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, um, uh, so, uh, uh, but it's, you know, it's real dog eat dog in the city. So, you know. Yeah. Hey, uh, so I was going to ask, uh, you know, you probably knew that Trudy's dad was a PhD agricultural uh, horticulturalist in the Rio Grande yeah. Valley. Did she, she talk about that with you at all? No. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's it's you know, Trudy's got layers, right? I mean, you know, I, I'd, I've been friends with her for a long time before I realized that she, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, she graduated top of her class in high school and then she got her um, first bachelor's degree in uh, uh, uh you know, when she was 19 and then she got a, um, her master's when she, uh, not even that long afterwards. And then another, uh, uh, no, two bachelors and then her master's. And I mean, it's just, you know, she, there's layers to her, but anyway, her dad is super cool. And you should ask her about her dad. Cause I've actually met him and he's got this amazing vibe. Um, and he's in his nineties, but my, my daughters just love him cause he's just so charming. But anyway, he's a, um, a horticulturalist and he really knows plants and, um, and so this sort of stuff will come out is that Trudy will just stop. And then all of a sudden I'm like, what is coming out of your mouth right now? <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know if you guys approached that topic. It's kind of cool. We, we have not. Mm. I knew there were, I knew there were things that I needed to know about Trudy. Yeah. There's yeah, that, layers. That's, that's really, really cool. I, yeah. I would love to have a, a nomad um, kind of stroll through here that has that kind of a background to give us, spend time with us and, and teach us what's here. Yeah. Um, we have Ed Daniels, but he's spread thin, but I'd really like to have, you know, some, a, a, a senior <clears throat> person who would like to have a little cabin on the, on the side of the road and just, you know, study what's here. Um, well, spend time with somebody like that. Well, that's what and, we and need. I'm, and I'm glad you need that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the nomad 
uh, story, uh, Sandy, because back in our original thinking around this a couple of years ago, um, yeah, this is when I knew, and I still know these people, but yeah, people that were in their early 30s, late 20s, and they were digital nomads, you know, and they were like casting about going like, where am I actually going to root? What, what's going to uh-huh. happen? And started thinking about this and talked about Sandy, where like a long-term vision for Helvicia would be that they could have this, this space where you could try out the community, you know, that you, you exchange your wisdom capital, that you could go there and you could um, take some wild crafting courses or cheese making courses now. Um, so you can get a feel for it and see how you can contribute to the community. Cause so many of these small communities are dying off, you know, they're disappearing. Mm-hmm. And you have these other people now who are going, well, with technology, with digital access, I can live anywhere. Where do I right. want to live? How do I want to express myself? And so we, and, and I have the plan. So of course we can, we could actually activate this is to really make Helvicia this um, place where these nomads can put down roots and bring mm-hmm. a new, a new energy, like a next generation to these communities but they work together to create this shared story of future. So it's not like what, you know, all the people coming to Austin and changing its identity. It's right. saying, hey, this is how Helvicia is. And we need some new light, some new fresh ideas, some, some fresh energy in it. But let's agree that this is the value that we're looking for. Right. So well, that, another, that's, that's what excites me about when you talk about nomads. I'm like, oh, yeah, we have a plan. But there was a yeah. dimension on what she was talking about as well as having a some you know an old person that's living there and they can serve as the repository of that wisdom. I mean that's yeah. that's what we need right now because I mean I don't know if I'm the only one that notices that there's a frightful number of these 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 Elders. wisdom these yeah. wisdom keepers that are basically just stepping off into the abyss because they're locked away uh, off by themselves somewhere um, due to, to COVID-19. So, you know, I can't help but believe that we're, we have a generational um, uh, loss, uh, a drain, you know, and uh, and I don't know how to, I don't know, hold on to that as much as we can. Like, I, uh, I, you, you know. might not recognize it when you have it. And, and, and Ruth mm-hmm. knows for me, you know, I have my dad until he's 93 and, uh-huh. and he knew so many things like, you know, where to find a pipe that they put in the ground, you know, 60 years ago. And just so right. many things. There's something about the apple tree that's on the corner and just mm-hmm. those things. And I, I miss that. And you might not know that you miss it until you had it. But there's so right. much wealth in a person that's that's gone through life, you know, so much wisdom that you're that 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 it's it's amazing, especially in a rural area like this when there's so much unknown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you um do you, uh, uh, I haven't had a chance to talk to you for, no, it's been like a month or something or maybe a month and a half, but have you um, had a, a recent conversation with, with your, the people you're working with about what, you know, the, the, the community marketplace might look like? Have you, have you thought about what people might sell in the, in the marketplace app? Um, Cause I'm curious about that. I don't know if you guys have got to the point where you're talking about that. Yeah, we, we have. And, and I think it's, go, I think it's just going to be kind of the day to day, you know, um, producing, you know, canned goods, processed goods, um, you know, time, you know, skills, you know, we've got the, we've got the, the, um, the, the wild crafting going for one thing, you know, and the mm-hmm. other thing we have is the, is the, is the earn learn piece, the, the right. would be one of the things that, that would be that would be sold there 
um, wildcat crafting and botanicals. I said that, and and part of the part of the woodcrafts and those kind of things as well. Um, I think that will be that will be sold on 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 those those sites. Uh huh. Yeah, it's cool talking to Tanya because, uh, you know, I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to her, but, you know, she's the one with the saffron farm. So at first she's like, you know, I'll just use the app to sell saffron. But then as she's worked with her community, which are, you know, a lot of indigenous women, they're, they're realizing that there's some benefit in having lots of other things that are in there, which is, of course, the point is that, you know, of course, you can sell her saffron in there. Her saffron farm is sponsoring it. But um, but it's like the light came on for her realizing, oh, actually, uh, we could do classes we could do this it's kind of cool so um i mean it's kind of kind of fun to hear people talk about when the light comes on for the community saying you know we we don't have to we could actually we could actually bring forward i mean i love that the way it triggers people's entrepreneurial spirit you know like hey i could do this so, yeah and I, and I think a good example for right now you know everybody when the christmas holidays and all the holidays are over with and three kings day and everything you know and you're right sitting here in january and you're starting to see a little bit of grass, you know, from the melting snow and, and you're thinking about spring, which is a very, very busy time for people who work land. And, you know, mm -hmm. everybody yesterday was scurrying around, you know, asking for heirloom seeds. And I think seeds are going to be one of the things that's going to mm -hmm. be in jeopardy, yes. you know, soon. And if not now, you know, we have difficulty, you know, finding things we want, but let's say, you know, the Berkey tomato or the Berkey grapes yes. or whatever, you yeah. know, and, and we're all pulling that together. And I think that, that that's one thing that I've learned. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, we have to like start saving some of the seeds and, and, okay. you know, continuing, because if you, if you take a, a pepper from Walmart and you take the seeds out and you plant it, you may get some peppers, you may not get some peppers and it's not right. going to be that quality and it's going to be, you know, but to get those heirlooms and those ones that are really high quality seeds, I think it's becoming less and less and people need to become aware. So we're, we're starting to educate and reach out to the older folks in our community to please, you know, give us some, give us some knowledge about what they know about the seeds. And if you have any in your freezer or stored in your cellar or whatever, and some people do and some people don't. My mother did, and when I cleaned out her house, you know, what was it, six months ago or whatever it was, almost a year ago, I found seeds everywhere. Mm. And I am trying to plant them and trying to trying to learn what to do with them. They're dormant and they've been in the freezer for 20 years, you know. Right. It's been amazing just looking at that. But I think that, that we all need to be thinking about on the micro level, since nobody else is thinking about it, or maybe somebody else is, but you know, that seeds are going to be one of the things that we're not going to be able to find. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, one thing it's worth um, asking about, because I don't know how much we've had a chance to talk about this, because you haven't got to this part of the conversation with Trudy, but we have a, a reputation. It's not just a system, it's an economy. And mm -hmm. the intention for the reputation economy is to bring forward forms of soft capital that which might transcend hard capital. And one of those would be wisdom capital. And of course, that means that we get to get real creative about how to gamify it. This is exactly the type of collaboration I want to have with you and the 14 year old. Right. So, you know, um, and I can use an example. Let me let me use just one example of something we have defined is that there's something called salvage, which is if somebody in the community is atypically good at um, at, uh, uh, at um, uh, resolving conflicts. Um, we actually reward them for, for it. And so what they do is that not only do they 
earn a reputation, they literally get a community currency. And then they right. can use that to get, you know, goods and services within the community. And the, and of course the indigenous love it because, you know, what I've heard is, you know, hey, you've actually figured out how to modernize our um, ancestral traditions. And the other one is, if you can figure out a way to elevate the well-being of others, you are likewise um, compensated and recognized. So, you know, between those two, let's say actually the second one, the, the weft one is what I call it. Like, I would love to, to brainstorm on how we could create an adaptation of this for your community that would, that would, that would imagine the conversations you could have. And I imagine there's not, I mean, I love the greasy spoon restaurants. Like I consider there's not a restaurant in this country more American than a greasy spoon. But I love the idea of sitting at a greasy spoon restaurant and saying, you know, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to incentivize uh, a, a senior to actually collaborate with, say, their great grandchild to bring forward that wisdom they've got and those jars that's sitting in the thing and they can get recognized for sharing it. Um, yeah. And in so doing, they actually not only do they not only are they acknowledged for their contribution to the community, but they are literally compensated. So it turns into a different story where, you know, they can say to their friends, like, yeah, you wouldn't believe what we're doing in the community. I'm actually getting compensated for um, helping people learn about seeds, something that they've been, you know, ignoring forever. And they probably have a story to tell about their grandparents teaching them, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if that, well, if you have anything to say on that, but that's, you know, something I'm well, dying I, to get into. I, and I would like to add to that, that I love the idea of um, cultivating and germinating the small stories because mm -hmm. there's a lot of people, there's a lot of um, people who collect stories around major world events <clears> as, right. as, as trying to tie you together. But it's, it's like if we're always looking for some huge thing to activate our value, then we start aligning with, with those large things, whether they're good or bad, you know, whether right. like, and, and so we shape ourselves back again to that, that kind of top down storyline. Right. So the idea of, 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 of listening to these seeds of stories mm -hmm. gets people into that mindset of valuing the little things, mm -hmm. you know, cause that's really where change starts. Cause you know, Sandy, you didn't start out by saying, we're going to build a dairy. You said, we're going to get a cow and we're going to make cheese, you know, yeah. right. <laughs> like bringing it down to the human scale. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so it's, so the more we can, we can, you know, call out those human scale patterns. Right you know, then people can imagine they can do it themselves. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Any thoughts, Sandy? No, I, I think, I think you're actually spot on. You know, it, it's, it's, um, um, the seeds to the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, and this, I think this would contribute to the, um, uh, to the uh, education model that we were talking about. This might be an interesting augmentation to education if you could actually bring forward an oral tradition that embraces the wisdom that, you know, this is why people came to, to, uh, uh, to the community in the first place, you know, uh, in a way that would, you know, possibly close the gap in terms of the uh, generations, you know. Well, and, and you can craft a shared language, you mm -hmm. know, so, so you have this Helvetian toolkit Right. Where people yep. go, oh, okay, I'm part of something because I can feel my imprint on it, right. you know. And it's when when we feel like so much of the world is out of our control, mm -hmm. you know that, like you said, Sandy, that that people were really um, 
super connected to their digital devices during all this as well. We have to stay in touch with what's going on in the world, mm -hmm. but it can't be more important than what's going on in our own household. Right. Yeah. You know, because yeah. because ultimately it, it's like, are, are people eating? Do they have a safe place to stay? Yeah. Do they have a future? Do we have a way to, to craft a story together? And, right. you know, I, we're all of the generation that is, that we lived an analog life. You know, we were pre-digital, but we've, we've worked both sides of that now. Right. And so, so when things slow down, like in this, this crucible we've been in, I've noticed people that were over 45 were like, okay, so we're just going to go back to how I was as a kid. I can do that. Right. right. <laughs> but the people yeah. had only been in the digital world was like, holy moly, what do I do now? Yeah. I mean, cause I, I think about being, being, being in Helvetia during this pandemic and I'm like, man, that sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it, it is until like day number 300 and yeah <laughs> well, i can tell you my girls have enjoyed it we did like tons of swimming and we just you know uh, i could go to the park and there was hardly anybody there for a while and i mean geez i thought we had a great time so i think you know the girls have a different story about it uh, yeah. <laughs> well, but, but, our kids do too they have a different story about it but yeah. I think all, you know it's 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 pretty pretty special yeah. But but we can we can we can have these different stories without negating the value other people got out of it. Yeah. yeah. The whole point is that we have moments where we sh share it, but we have our individual experience of it, and one doesn't negate the other. Right. And this is well, this is one way to so like these the kids you know people under under fifteen they are going to remember this very differently than we are. And right. we still have shared futures. Right. No. So again, as, as Kent and I had talked about in our last podcast, I mean, I use the word and a lot, you uh -huh. know, because I want to make sure that, that it's inclusive, Right. you know, versus the, but, which is like, okay, here it comes, right. you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I so think, I think the kids here are going to learn that, that or they're going to take back the, that there's a lot of work to have a cow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, well, so I mean, you know, so we talked about the marketplace uh, uh, app. And then um, and I don't know if we've shared with you, but we've done some numbers on that. So if you've got, you know, a 1000 people in the community, and 100 are selling and uh, 900 are buying, which is a pretty actually, that's a reasonable, just beginning place. Um, uh, you know, that ends up generating about $2,000 a month in um, revenue that goes to the community account. And the intention, of course, is to pay for, you know, uh, community uh, uh, you know, services like, you know, education or earn and learn or stuff like that. Have you got to the point where you've engaged uh, kids on what to do with that kind of thing? Have you guys reached that point yet? We have, um, we have not reached yeah. that point yet. Um, that's, that's, that's a pretty interesting point of inflection is that people will yeah. nod and stuff like that. But then when they, it's like, that, you know, the conversation we have with Tanya where I said, you know, kind of outlined it. And then she's like, it's pretty cool. Cause she's like, show me the math. <laughs> right. And it's like, okay, well, it's just math. Right. It's this many people doing this many things. And for her, I could just see her. She literally looked up and then she's like, okay, I see it. I see it. This is my sister's basically doing this. This is stuff that they're already doing. They usually have to hustle from one powwow to the next to do this. But in this right. case, they actually do it. And so then it turned into a case. This is actually what stimulated the um, the formalization of her her um, uh, her uh, governing council, if you will, to so ask the question, what are we going to do with the money, which is a decent question to ask. And I, yeah. I, I do this a lot. I actually did this a lot with 
um, the skateboard advocates, I would say, what are you going to do when the community finds out you got $50,000 in the bank? Because I can assure you that if you didn't do your homework on that, things are going to get weird, right? Yeah. And, um, and this is when I was with the Tony Hawk Foundation, this is actually the same sort of thing that would inform our calculus on whether or not we paid a community, because you're going to have to answer that question. And because people are going to want answers, right? Like if they find out you got 50k in the bank, uh, and they work, uh, um, uh, informed, <laughs> they get weird. So, uh, you know, this is about, you know, an ounce of prevention, right? To, to really in, in include them in the discussions. And, and what we've demonstrated is that if you do that and the community embraces, you know, regenerative best practices, that number magnifies because people become producers. That's the important part here. They become people like Sandy who have decided to actually invest in the community. So they start increasing their own household revenue and they actually increase the, the community wealth. And so, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, the conversations you have with Trudy on that because every one of those conversations we have with people is a real eye-opener. Like, wait, 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 wait. How much money again? <laughs> That's it pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah it does. It's yeah, I mean, just being a user of different platforms, you know, here in this rural area to bring in all of my products really that I need, all of my, all of my supplies. You know, I know how much they're making off of me just being a normal right. consumer. Yeah. And, and when you first talked about that, I, you know, the light went off about it and I have been super excited about it ever since because of that, that it's actually, you know, you're keeping your own, your own revenue, you're keeping your own wealth, you know, with inside the, the, the organ, the, you know, the organization and, right. and it's not going out to, to the behemoths and, yeah. and, and we talked about that before they've even talked about it and they're talking about it now even more right. uh, with all this data breach. So it's just yeah. kind of interesting that, yes, that's, that's, that's the thing that was most attractive to me is to get a, to get a, to get, you know, a thousand people, you know, and that's why I increased my, my 50 mile radius to a hundred mile radius. I'm like, wait a minute, I better go a hundred mile radius versus 50. Cause I don't and know about a thousand people. <laughs> and it's pretty, it's pretty cool when you do it that way though, this is a really interesting opportunity to stitch together community because what this means is that it, it gives us incentive to, um, to, to bring together uh, people who would, and because it's essentially a virtual community, right? But right. what you want to do is to orchestrate an in real, in a, in a, in a, in a real person meeting, you know, like, you know, uh, somebody might come to an agreement to, uh, to sell some hay and the other person decides to buy some extra irrigation they've got and they decide that they're going to meet over uh, coffee at the nearby Greasy Spoon because it's the, it's the in-between place. And think about this in historical context, like that's, that's what made community. That's why towns were made. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like they, they were created for just exactly this reason. So, you know, what this does is that this gives us an opportunity. If you think about this in terms of community building, um, somebody from within your circles will be the person that goes out and says, you know, hey, um, we're going to have people meeting at your location because they are meeting to exchange goods and services because they they use the virtual marketplace and they might want to participate. So this is the cool thing is that you bring in these sort of hubs that are already there. It's kind of a neat deal. So uh, it, it's nice how it comes together in a hurry. The other uh, the other aspect of this that I think is neat is that it's like people are aware, at least theoretically, that, you know, places like Walmart, you know, they get rid of the local store. Um, uh, they get, uh, they get, they're aware of that, like places like Walmart will get rid of the local store. And so by using Walmart, you're basically getting rid of the, 
the, the local businesses, but um, but they're usually not aware of the fact that that's absolutely true with the Amazons and the and the and the virtual market. Oh, absolutely, and I, you know, I saw that you know coming from miles away. I was like, holy cow, this is going to be, you know, especially especially because the way I was able to use it. I mean, you know, I was kind of the pioneer here before internet. You know, when I moved back, even. And it was like, okay, nobody has internet. Let me work on that. And, you know, just, just, and, and I always, everybody always made fun of me because I had so many deliveries and like, well, why not get everything delivered <laughs> versus right. going out of here and getting it. And, and there's nothing to buy internally. I mean, absolutely nothing. And, you know, right. until you go to like somebody's private farm and, and, you know, kind of pry it out of them. Right. Well, and, and, and living in places that are more remote, you know, they're not just remote from the bigger world, they're remote from each other. Yeah, right. they so are. You yeah, need those hubs to build the social capital, right? Mm -hmm. Is that's to, what, to feel connected. Exactly. The other thing that attracted me with that is that, you know, we will much, much more, we will most likely be better communicators, even though mm -hmm. we are, are, you know, once we have something in our hand like that, then we, then we are just regular neighbors. Right. I mean, right. we just, even with the pandemic, we don't go visit each other, you know, right. and right. we were kind of isolated and kind of backward anyway. Right. Well, and, and, and I was thinking about the time that we came and visited and, uh, you know, you and the neighbors have put together, put pitched a, a little tent and, and put together the evening meal and everybody brought something. Right. And, and afterwards, your dad and a couple of the other people there brought their their instruments out, you know, and, and, and it was yeah. just like this, this moment that stuck with me that feel for it. And, okay. um, you know, so so there's just that magic. Yeah. And and, right. and 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 at that point, we had no idea that this was a possible future, right. but we built that relationship. And so yeah. going back to, to the, the soft capitals that Kent listed, you know, that, that relationship capital is so important. Mm -hmm. it, is, yeah. it is why humans have evolved into this even potential future, right? right. And so, so it's interesting to me that, that we had to have everything stop for everybody to kind of clear the decks and go, oh, okay, what's really important here? Right, right. And now that if we can have a tool that, that this platform that, that actually encourages those right. connections, yeah. well, you know, other, it's, it's a pretty interesting outcome. And the thing with the, the thing like with the Amazons is that people are paying a premium transaction fee to have their local mm -hmm. marketplaces eviscerated. They actually pay 18.3% per transaction to use Amazon. So imagine yeah. paying almost 20% just to get rid of your own um, local, uh, oh, local yeah. economy. And, and so like when you educate people on that, they say, oh, wow, okay, I didn't realize that. Like I thought it was being super convenient. Yeah, it is convenient, but what's the cost of the convenience? Like the yeah, cost is that you've eviscerated. Yeah, you've eviscerated your, your uh, local market. Um, right. So, you know, we're trying to provide a, 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 an alternative. And when people begin to see the numbers and they begin to pay attention again, they, 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 they refocus on the local economy. They're like, wow, that's cool. And it's cool. I mean, just to kind of bring this around to full conclusion, because um, we do have to wrap. Um, it began with a cow, <laughs> which I really mm -hmm. like. <laughs> I mean, how cool is that, right? Like, uh, because that's the kind of story that people want to be a part of, you know. Uh, certainly there's tech here, but I do like the fact that like, uh, and we got a cow y'all right <laughs> and, and a lot of cheese <laughs> and we want an investor just is telling me every day when are we going to get another cow and i'm like oh my god i don't know what to do with him mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah. Well, that's cool. a great job. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, it was good talking to you. Uh, uh, yeah. And I'm looking forward to um, the next conversation you have with Trudy because uh, I love hearing about it and I love eavesdropping. Uh, and I really would love to set up a call with your uh, your kid because there's so much that I have learned um, that might be of a uh, of interest to a kid in the in the wake of the recent events. Yeah, he's got full permission. He's got full permission to talk to you. You guys can connect yeah. at any time. That's that's great. I think that would be really really important. Yeah, it's it's a good it's a great. I mean, that's a great thing about current events as they have uh, uh, unfolded. Is it really does um, it really provides a really rich context for learning. Um, uh, about security, right? Which is yeah. a really important thing. And I think he's going to dig it, man. Um, of course, it's it's got a real like cops and robbers, uh, good guy, bad guy aspect to it. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure that he'll stay real engaged in the story. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, cool. It was good talking to you. I hope you have a good yeah. afternoon. Thank you, everybody. I really appreciate you inviting me. Yeah. Yes. Thanks. Thanks for being such an amazing person, Sandy. Yeah. Well, I'm off to the cheese cellar, so you know. Okay. You, you know, rough life. Enjoy. <laughs> um, All right. Okay. All right. Cheers. Bye.